this is Kenya, and welcome to my magical cottagecore life. Today, we're looking at winter, the snow is flying, and the white stuff is kind of filling up the ground and my porch. But my mind isn't on any of this. My mind is on getting ready to choose what seeds I'm going to plant next year, or hopefully plant. And I figured this would be a great day to talk about a flower that not many people consider planting anymore. And that flower is safflower. So open up your big book of stuff and turn to the flower section because today we're going to talk about planting and using safflower. It's not just an oil. There's a lot more to it than that. So, let's get started. Now you've probably seen safflower before. And more than likely, if you're of common experience, you've seen it in the grocery store, in the cooking aisle. And again, most likely you've seen it as a cooking oil, safflower oil. It's really hard to miss. It has a really beautiful color. And that's one of the reasons people really like it. But it's one of those herbs that's been around so long that people kind of forget that it wasn't always just for oil. It's still not just for oil, but most of the times when you go to the big chain supermarkets, that's what you see it in. But do you know how far back safflower goes as far as use in cooking? It goes way back, all the way back to ancient times around Kush and Egypt and being cooked in the Middle East. It was something that was a part of the cuisine. Also, during the Middle Ages, it was part of medicinal usage. You know, you have to remember that at that time, we didn't really have a lot of ways to cure ourselves. So they would use the safflower and specifically for respiratory problems most of the time in order to help with colds, you know, and they would mix it with things like soup or water to try to get you to drink it to make you feel better. And we do know that chicken soup has been now proven to have some curative properties. Now, before you start getting intimidated about how ancient this particular flower is, one of the reasons that flowers come, or any kind of plant or herb, come into regular use is that they're usually common. There's something that will grow in a lot of places. So safflower is one of those herbs or plants or flowers that actually grow in poor soil. So it's not a situation where you're going to have to have the most exquisite balance of beautiful fluffy soil for this plant to grow. It will grow, period. But what it won't do is transplant well. So if you're going to grow this in your garden, you need to plant it directly into the soil. Do not try to make transplants, it won't work. It's just like that sometimes. And it kind of gives you that whole thing about where they say bloom where you are planted. 
in this case, it holds true. Now you know whenever we do these kinds of episodes about plants, because I am making it a plant episode, not just an herbal episode, I always emphasize, one, I am not a certified naturopath, I am not a certified herbalist, I am not a doctor, and I wanted you to know that because you should know who you're listening to. I also try to always recommend you find out the Latin name of what plant we're talking about because sometimes different plants have common folk names. So in this particular case, we're looking at Carthamus tinctorius, okay? Now, planting this, it's it's not going to be hard. I mean, they, they grow basically in, you could put, probably do it in parking lot soil, um, but, but you wouldn't want to run over it with your car, obviously. And it is an annual, so you will have to collect the seeds or really let them drop if you want it to come back on its own, because again, Unlike a perennial, this plant's going to die out and it lives on through its seeds, okay? So keep that in mind that you want a plant enough to use as well as enough to save for seed. That's one of the things that often people forget is that they do have to plant enough to be able to use and some to keep for seed if they intend on being this sustainable garden. Ooh, having problems with my S's. And I'm talking about safflower. Wow, that's that's really weird. <laughs> um, Sally sells she's Sally sells seashells by the seashore. Remember that tongue twister to get us to learn S's? No, is it just me? It's just me, isn't it? Okay, moving on. Another thing you want to keep in mind about safflower is that it's one of those flavors that while it is pronounced when you use it, it gives a wonderful, beautiful taste. The thing about it is that you will lose that taste using the dried flour. Okay? You can use it if it's dried, like buy it in the spice aisle if you can find it. But the problem with it is that you have to use anywhere between five to six times as much of the dried saffron as you would use for the fresh saffron. You have to taste it. It's just one of those things. Some herbs just lose a lot of their taste once they get dry, once they get old. Hmm. I have a birthday coming up. Why did I think about getting old? Just old. Anyway, <laughs> but no, some flowers do lose their their punch as they get older, and this is one of them, especially when used as a cooking herb in creams. So keep that in mind that having a good source of it, like majorum, in your garden will make you the envy of most of your kitchen cottage garden cooks. Now there are some things you want to keep in mind also about the safflower and that is 
it's not a huge plant, but it's big enough that you need to give it some good room, okay? Because it can get up to three feet tall. So it's not like a thyme that you're growing. And again, even thyme can get up to like about a foot, depending on what kind of thyme you're growing. But you wanna make sure you leave enough room so that the plant is not crowded. However, keeping that in mind, you also wanna remember when it's going to flower. You see, different herbs flower at different times, and some of them flower more than once a year. This particular herb, flower, plant, is going to flower during the summer. So you want to time your garden so that you have different things flowering throughout the season, okay? So this will be something wonderful to have, you know, flowering in your garden, and then after you do that, you have a nice... Um, salad and a pasta night that evening outside with a cream based soup and you could picnic next to some of the flowers that you've picked to help complement the meal I'm just saying I'm not a chef I do know that there's supposed to be a difference in flavor also that you can make it taste better the flowers if you crush them against a cutting board with the back of the spoon it's one of those weird things Kind of like when you're using sorrel for fish and you kind of like smush it up and then squeeze it through a, a, a cloth towel as a sauce. It's just one of those things that you kind of learn by seeing and doing. Now I want to give you a caution about my directions just now regarding how much safflower you want to use. You don't want to overdo your dish. When I say five times as much, I, as much, I don't mean take five handfuls of flowers and throw them into your food. You might have five quarter teaspoons versus one when it's fresh versus dry. You get what I mean? Also, sometimes safflower and saffron can be used interchangeably in certain dishes. So saffron is a little bit close when it comes to it but it's a different taste but saffron you can substitute safflower for saffron in a meal and since saffron is so expensive you might want to do that keep in mind though that it is a very different flavor and you don't want to put the same amounts it's not a direct one-to-one -one substitution okay because safflower has a weaker taste, it's not as pronounced. So you'd need to use more saffron if you're trying to substitute it for, excuse me, you'd have to use more safflower if you're substituting it for saffron in a dish. So keep that in mind, all right? Something else though, you don't have to eat your flowers. You could just put them out in a beautiful arrangement. They're really pretty and um, you don't have to eat everything we've talked about. Don't just shove things into your face and consume everything going back and forth across the land looking for gardens to devour. Don't be that person. All right, I, I used to have people that would come over and just graze in my garden, which you're welcome to come and sample, but don't just graze and bring your own scissors and take bundles home. We're not friends anymore. 
But anyway, moving on. Now we've talked about growing it. We've talked about gathering it. We've talked about putting it into the ground to grow beautiful arrangements that you can have in the home. We've talked about giving it its space in the garden. You know, usually about six to eight inches is good on either side. We've talked about it grows well in basically gar- garbage dirt, uh, not literal garbage dump dirt, but you probably could. It doesn't have to have great soil. But what we haven't said about safflower is that one of the things that it was used for was dye. You could dye clothing. So if you're in the mood, you could always try your hand at creating a safflower dye or a safflower ink or even safflower pigment. You know, we did talk about making herbal paints and herbal inks. So this could be something to explore. And why is my cat right here? Fluffy. Got nothing else to do but mess with me. All right, so, little kitty cat. So, okay, that's enough of me coddling the cat. Um, I would invite you to explore and see whether or not this is an herb that you would like to grow. And I do understand that when we're growing in our gardens, especially in these urban times, we don't always have a lot of space to try new herbs. But if you do have space, this will be something fun to try, you know? So try the safflower. Let me know how it works out. With that, I think we've come to the end of this episode about safflower. If you have heard of this plant, herb, <laughs> garden resident, and cooking item, then this is not new to you. Some things might be, but most of it probably not. If you haven't heard of safflower, you've probably heard of saffron, which is not related in any way, but it's just the thing that when you look at S-A-F-F in the herbal section, you're more likely to see saffron than safflower. And living it where I live, I don't always get to see safflower at all. So it's something to keep in mind as an alternative taste, something to explore, and another way to make your garden pretty and gay and bright. You know? You, you want to have that sense of exploration when you're planning your garden to try new things to seek out new and exciting plant civilizations to boldly grow where no one's grown before you're groaning haha got you with a double mom joke I got ya so until next time I'll see you here on my magical cottagecore life